Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Carlos Correa switching agents, Tampa, staying in Tampa, and most importantly, Robert Murray breakdown off-season moves he's got the top four and actually i just lied most important robot umpires are they on the way the baseball insider starts right now inside the clubhouse power rankings the best mlb off-season moves so far by robert murray written one week ago where the hell you been bert good to see you buddy Hey, good to see you too, Carm. I've been in Arizona. We're we're, we're making moves, Carm. What's uh, what's happening with you? How are you doing? Well, judging by the Badger helmet over your left shoulder, you're you're back in Wisconsin at least for a little bit here, unless you transform that room to AZ. You're very observant, Carm. Yeah, I I fly out uh, I fly out on Monday. It is. Um, yeah, we're making moves over here. I had my car hauled off yesterday, so it's like it's hit me pretty fast now. Are you going to take the Badger helmet with you? Um. I They're regret to inform you it is not coming with. It's yeah, not coming I don't with. think my apartment complex would like that very much. Even though I told them I'm part of the baseball insiders, but apparently that wasn't enough. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you should. Time, though, I will. Hey, you're going to give this apartment complex a lot of pub. You should have gotten a discount on that rent. But all right, we're not well, talking about. Yeah, right, right, right. We're not talking <laughs> about the Corey Seegers. We're not talking about the Max Scherzers. We're not talking about the Marcus Simeons. We're talking about the under-the-radar Robert Murray. Most exciting moves. we got four of them here. Uh, I know you're very excited about this, so let, let's kick it off with your enthusiasm for the Angels and Noah Syndergaard coming together on a, on a solid one-year deal. Yeah, like I actually lumped in uh, Syndergaard and Michael Lorenzen right, in this one. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I... I like both moves. I know Syndergaard can kind of be lumped in with those stars that I was trying to avoid, but he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. He pitched a little bit last year, um, and he's a relative unknown. But having a guy like that where he's got ace-level potential um, and that level of upside on a one-year deal where if it doesn't work out, you can just let him go. If it, if it works out, you have the inside track assigned to, to a five- or plus-more-year deal. Um, when you're the Angels and you need a, a – impact starting pitcher like that is a perfect candidate for me uh, and it's kind of like what the Giants did last year where they ended up stockpiling uh pitchers on one-year deals maybe not to the kind of salary of Syndergaard but like that upside to me was too much to ignore then you have Shohei Otani in the rotation too um and then Michael Lorenzen is kind of like he's a lottery ticket in a way in the sense that he hasn't pitched out of the rotation since 2015 but he's got 
a five-pitch mix, which is very good. And there was a lot of teams that were intrigued about him as a starting pitcher. Um, and there were multiple teams in the West Coast that were pursuing him in addition to the Angels. I know the Giants were actually pretty hot after him, um, but like that ultimately did not end up happening. But the Angels were not alone in viewing Lorenzen as a starting pitcher and for getting him for what, $6.75 million over a one-year deal. I think that was a very smart move. It kind of like flew under the radar by Perry Minette. Perry Manasian here putting you on the spot here, Robert Murray, because I'm trying to think of swing guys who were good out of the pen, but then became successful starters. And does anyone pop to mind that you see as a comp for Lorenzen? Cause I mean, I'm thinking of like Mike Montgomery who was better out of the pen. I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm, I got a bunch of Glendon rush. You rushed it up there for a little while, but then he was a better pen guy. I mean, John Smoltz was, an elite closer. There's a bunch of those out there where, you know, but you're talking about a guy going from, you know, middle inning, six, seventh inning guy to starter. Does anyone pop to mind on that? Yeah. Like, I mean, this isn't like a direct comp, but this is kind of like how the brewers have utilized their starting or introduced their starting pitchers into the rotation. Um, as they ended up having them start off in the bullpen. Um, like Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns. I'm not saying he's going to end up being as good as those guys, um, but like there is a history for doing some kind of moves like this. In addition to the to the ones that you ended up mentioning, um, I think Lorenzen can end up being arguably or perhaps the most underrated signing of the offseason um, if all goes according to plan. I know the Angels are super optimistic about this um, and believe that he can he can do this, and like maybe there's not like an exact comp, at least not one that I'm thinking that's going to end up being like a perfect one for, for Lorenzen. But I've, I'm telling you, Carm, I, I absolutely love that move by the angels. All right. Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to knock the move in any way, shape or form. I always liked him as a red good competitor yeah. has good stuff that I, I'm just trying to dial up a little. I'm trying to put you on the spot, Murray. That's what I do here. Uh, Bert, Bert, oh, you're, you're, you're very good at that. Uh, well, and I, I can't wait to talk robot umpires coming up here later. I'm curious where you stand on this. Do you remember who was number three on your top four off the beaten paths? Robert Murray moves. How well do you know yourself? Oh, well, I don't know myself well at all. <laughs> I know Wade Miley's on there because you pointed it out instantly. I sent you the link to the piece and within 10 seconds, it was Wade Miley. Wade Miley was but, number one. Uh, Hunter Renfro was number two. Oh, who, yeah. was num- who was number three? Boy, I really don't know myself. <laughs> I'll do it, Carm. Jeez, the lead. He signed with the Mets on a two-year deal. Oh, it was uh, outfielder. It was uh, Mark Canna. There Mark Canna. You love Mark Canna, Robert. That's funny that you Oh, gosh, yeah. Like – Tell me why. Oh, my! I can't believe I didn't remember this, Carm. Sorry, you got me excited again here. So I I think – so Canna was another one that was pursued by a lot of these contending teams, Giants included. Um, And I think there was some other West Coast teams involved in him too. Um, And I thought he was going to end up getting maybe a three-year deal, but I think his age prevented that. Um, But he ultimately signed for, what was it, two years, 27 in that ballpark? Yep, Um, he's 32 years old for the record, 26 and a half million. 26 and a half, which I think is a very strong deal for both him and the player. Um, he like the Mets really wanted to improve their clubhouse culture this, this off season. Um, that was according to reports and other things that I've heard too. 
Um, and they ended up signing Canna, who by all accounts is a tremendous um, clubhouse guy, very good player, can play a lot of different positions defensively too. Gives you good at bats. Um, you end up signing Max Scherzer, who's a difference maker too. You sign all these other guys and they're impact players both on and off the field. And I think Canna is one that's going to fly under the radar. I mean, you can kind of put Eduardo Escobar in that ballpark too. Um, but I think Canada is going to be one that like really opens some eyes now that he's out of Oakland and in a much bigger market. Um, and there's going to be a lot of teams that regret not going the extra mile to sign him. And I, I did not think I'd be praising the Mets as much as I have, but everything they've done has just been good. It's yeah. It's nice to see finally. Well, I'm a huge fan of short-term deals. To me, it's free money. Even when it's, name that is a little bit odd to bring up but even when it's Trevor Bauer 40 million dollars a year money mm-hmm. if it's a short-term deal then as a on the fancy like it's just dope now when you go into a long-term deal you know an eight-year type of thing the uh a Corey Seager type deal well oh man th- this doesn't go well it's going to hurt you year after year after year but short-term deals who cares how much money it is? Cause it's off the books sooner than later. So, uh, totally yeah. Agree. yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I know we're going to get to another short-term deal that you're trying to dial up for the St. Louis Cardinals in, uh, in Kyle Schwarber, but you loved the Hunter Renfro trade. I was not as huge of a fan on this one. Um, you got rid of Jackie. Well, because you're giving up prospects, man. You're, 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 you made a bad do with Jackie Bradley Jr. He has a terrible year. You got to get rid of him. Now to get rid of him, you're going to tie some prospects. You're the Brewers, by the way. You rely on prospects, so you're so you're paying twice in my mind. You're it's you're 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 punting on Bradley, who might come back and play well. You're giving up some of your young talent, all to get Hunter Renfro, which I don't know. That just doesn't excite me a whole lot. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing the Hunter Renfro boat here. Am I? I mean, maybe, but I think what your your concerns are valid for sure because I, Bradley was he was unplayable in Milwaukee. Like I don't think we can dispute that one. But the prospects that they ended up giving up were were very like highly regarded by rival executives, and like that is a decent price to pay for Renfro. Um, but he's under contract. He's a little bit cheaper than Bradley, which gives them some financial flexibility. Um, and for for this year, and maybe allows them to sign somebody. Oh, go ahead. What do what, no, what you I got? Just, I I also don't like in general when when you're making deals based on the money that's tied to them. Uh, if you're paying a premium for it, we're not. Yeah. I mean, it's you're not. They didn't like save huge money. Like if you got a, if you got a big hit off your books, I'd get it. But this is not a lot of dough. No, and I, I, that, I'm glad you said that because that was not the primary focus, um, and I don't want to make it out to be. Um, but the primary focus was to upgrade the outfield position in right field um, because they lost Avi Garcia to the Miami Marlins, which um, that – here's a teaser. That's going to end up being one of my worst offseason deals. Um, so I, And Renfro, internally for the Brewers, they view him as an upgrade over Garcia. Um, and – is there risk in this? Yeah. Um, like he's obviously a very talented player, um, both offensively and defensively. We've seen his throws from right field, just gun runners out like when he's deep into the outfield and it's, it's, it's impressive. Um, and he'll end up making an impact in Milwaukee, but obviously there is going to be some concern about whether or not he ended up peaking in his last season with Boston um, because like the production that he ended up posting, like, I don't think anybody or many people could have seen that level of production coming. So maybe 
like they don't get that version of him, but if it's anywhere close, I think it's a good deal. But I, th- from your perspective, I think there's definitely a reason to like, I, I understand why you're concerned. Well, Ivy Garcia got a ridiculous deal. 53 million for four years for Ivy Garcia is, is preposterous. I mean, I agreed. It was I, bad. Know, like what, what, what do you, I mean, Avi Garcia has got to be like, I am the luckiest dude of all time. I get to live in Miami. There's zero pressure here. It's the end of my career. You just gave me another $53 million to, to ride it out to the end. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. But you, you just pull the plug on that. And Renfro, uh, $7.5 million in 21. He's ARB eligible in 2022. And Bradley was making $11 million. So, you know, we're talking about – 3.5 million savings there. Plus I, I just, it's, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't love it as much as you. I do love the Cubs move for Wade Miley. I, I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, you know, that's a, you're picking up a $10 million salary, which is, which is nothing uh, after he had an ERA, you know, basically three and a half. Um, and it's, it's could turn into your classic. Uh, if you're good, you'll get dealt at the deadline of the Cubs move, uh, pull off a miracle and some are competitive then and he's good then then you've got yourself someone in the rotation there was zero risk bingo yeah like that was exactly my thoughts with this one too um so we're on the same page here carm so look, look at us go we're, we got one baby we got one um <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I it's better than nothing but i mean i don't I think any, yeah go ahead oh, go ahead no, I was just gonna tell you i don't think any cub fan out there is like oh sweet we got wade miley but it's 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 an under the radar move that those tend to uh you know pan out better than say people are paying attention to i would agree like that's great gming to me by by jed hoyer in the front office there like that was just i remember like in the moment like seeing that and thinking what a great move by the cubs and like fills a rotation spot which they desperately needed um it also gives them as you said the flexibility to deal him at the deadline if he's good and they're, they're out of contention, if they're good, they can keep him and end up having a competitive roster going into October. Um, but like from the Reds perspective, I know what their offseason goal was of trying to shed payroll. Uh, it started by trading Tucker Barnhart um, and then letting Wade Miley go for nothing to a division rival and it might accelerate the rebuild when you could have dealt him, held on to him for a little bit, and then dealt him for prospects like that. I I don't know. Right? Like, no, that's I don't just know a, what it's a. It's called a bad organization. It's it's called it's called being cheap. Ten million dollars for a guy who pitched well, and you're unwilling to do that. That if I'm a Reds fan, that ain't great. All right, let's move on off the 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 Burt top four under the radars. Um, we'll get to Carlos Correa in a second, but you're one that you're hoping to write and you have written about. By the way, you you posted it about a month ago. You're trying to tie the Cardinals and Kyle Schwarber together, which would make Cubs fans puke. Thirty one bombs last year. Uh, you think this makes sense, even though Kyle's asking for some significant dough? But along the lines of my short term deals, three year deal for sixty million for a guy. Like uh, that would be appealing. I would think um, it sounds high, but it's not that much money on a short term yeah. for a left-handed bat that can crush for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like entering this season, the Cardinals are under the assumption that Wade or not Wade Miley, but the Cardinals are under the assumption that Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are going to retire. Um, and to me, I think 
you can't go all in, but you have to do everything you can to be as competitive as you can this year without ruining the future uh, going forward. Um, and to me, that's not trading your top prospects, but it's investing in a big salary. Um, and they lack a left-handed bat in the lineup. Um, and Schwarber is exactly that. And if you end up had at, or if the national league implements the, the designated hitter, like Schwarber to me is a perfect fit because if you look at their DH options right now, you have, uh, Nolan Gorman, who's still in AAA. You have Juan Yepes, who is, I mean, pretty good in triple A. He was probably one of their top prospects in terms of hitting, um, you could have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt go there um, just to have like a day or two off. Um, and you have some other internal options like Lars Newtbar, but like none of those are like a real good solution in 2022. Um, you insert Schwarber, have him there primarily. You end up having Nolan Gorman get called up during the season, put him at either second base or put him at shortstop. Um, and, or you could even move Tommy Edmond to shortstop and have Gorman at second. It's a lot of moving parts, but I think it makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Obviously, it would stretch their payroll to a level that they have not gone to in recent years. But like, if you're John Mozeliak, I think you have to consider it. Um, and I don't know if they have. Like, I don't. I'm not saying that the Cardinals are interested in him. Um, I don't even know if they are. But if I was running the show there, he is somebody that I would strongly consider. But ultimately, I think. He ends up signing elsewhere. I know I've talked about Philadelphia quite a bit, but um, I think the Cardinals should have Schwarber pretty firmly on their radar uh, when the lockout ends. It'll be interesting to see, A, how much money he gets, B, if National League teams will pay big for a DH type who could also play the outfield. The Cardinals don't have that big of a need there, but yeah. if somebody gets hurt, that's not bad insurance. You could certainly play him at left, right. Right's pushing it, but you could play him there. Uh, and, and first, um, so there's that. All right. Bert, let's talk robot umpires. I, I'm very excited about this. Uh, <laughs> so the news is that uh, Major League Baseball expanding its automated strike zone experiment to triple A. Um, MLB's website, by the way, is looking for seasonal employees to operate the automated ball strike system. So I am thinking about applying. Um, you would be working games for the Albuquerque Isotopes, the Charlotte Knights, go White Sox, uh, the El Paso Chihuahuas, the Vegas Aviators, Oklahoma City, which is the Dodgers, uh, and, and a bunch of others. The Round Rock, Exp Round Rock Express is near and dear to my heart after uh, living in Austin. So this is a real thing, man. It's, 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 it, where do you think we're going with this? I am pretty positive we're going to end up having robot umps in the future. And Personally, I'm all for it as long as they have the technology right and it doesn't like negatively impact the game. And I don't think it will because um, I trust them to ultimately come up with like a, a good idea, which might be kind of too optimistic of me considering what's currently happening. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, I think robot umps are definitely part of the future. And we've seen the current umpires, specifically Angel Hernandez, be absolute dumpster fires behind the plate. And it's taken away a lot of the, like uh, some of the excitement of the game. You see the players increasingly frustrated. Like they see Angel Hernandez behind the plate and they're automatically like, they're going to assume that there's going to be bad calls. Um, and you even hear from players and you hear from coaches, you hear from basically everybody about around the league that umpiring has never been worse. 
And obviously you have to like keep in mind that like the umpiring is hard, especially when you're behind the plate, the ball is coming at you so fast, um, like hundred miles an hour, if not more, like there's going to be errors at time. It's just part of being human, but there too, there's too many mistakes and it's impacting the integrity of the game, in my opinion. And maybe it doesn't happen next year. Maybe it doesn't even happen the year after that, but I think robot umps are going to be part of the game. And the fact is that AAA now is like, it's not going away anytime soon. Is that the legacy for Angel Hernandez? Dude, you were so freaking bad that that ain't that a robot umps got pushed over the over the uh goal line. Seriously. Like Yeah, they, like, I, honestly, yeah, I think like I'm not trying to dunk on Hernandez too much, but like you it's it's a struggle to hear good things about him as an ump. Um not calling him a bad person or anything, but as an umpire, like there's a lot of people who are frustrated about that. Who was the ump that uh, blew the no hitter call and he felt terrible about it? Uh, was it Jim first, Joyce? Jim, yeah, right. At Armando Galarraga. I'll never Arma- forget that. Armando Galarraga at first base. Jim Joyce misses it, and the the whoever was doing the play by play on that had a great. I was like, oh no, no, Jim, come on, buddy, and and you couldn't yeah. take it back at that point. Um, so mm-hmm. how does? This- by the way, you you mentioned play by play. Sorry, I want to I want to bring up a point here. Um, I saw your tweet this morning um, about not making that top 20 list. And I want to say that you're number one in my heart, Carm. You are an absolute stud. And uh, (laughs) we're getting you to the number one, baby. I'm telling you, next year. 2023 is Carm's year. So for for people who don't know what Bert's talking about, the Chicago Sun-Times, which is a newspaper in Chicago, they do phenomenal work. Jeff Agrist, who writes from me, does the top 20 pers- uh, media personalities each year. He's done it for the back, back-to-back years. I have not made the list either year. Um, if each year now, I'm, my, my own tradition, I'm putting out a video of me not making the list. So I'm not sure how you got how you tied that into play-by-play, but maybe I should. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I don't know how I tied it in there. It was just like, it was a mental trigger for me. And it's like, cause I, I came into this pod wanting to talk about that. And yeah, you're number one, you're number one in all of our hearts. Carm. So I just wanted to make that public. And yeah. I mean, Adam Hogue, I'm assuming that I was number 21 and, and my, my buddy, Adam Hogue, who does a great job in his, in his media world for NBC sports, Chicago and the athletic, he said that I'm number 21 in his heart. So Bert, I'm all, I mean, <laughs> you could just be with Hogue. Like I, I'd like to be number 21 in your heart that would be that would be amazing uh but yes i'm, I'm just gonna keep moving forward and, and agris is not gonna get me down and we are we are uh, talking on twitter and apparently we're gonna have ice cream this summer uh as we try to work this Whoa. through i'm gonna try to buy them but off that's the plan. you actually you actually won this one car so that's good work you get ice cream and a higher ranking for it yeah cheers well he says he can't be bought so i don't know if i'm gonna actually get a higher ranking but i'm doing everything i can to try to uh you know fix the deck in in, in my favor let me <laughs> i just let me before we leave robot umpires does this do you think that we're not gonna have any umps on the field is that what it's gonna look like or we're gonna we're gonna have a ump behind home plate i'm trying to picture what this is gonna be i i don't think you can go all in on losing the human element i, I think it's going to start with just behind the plate and calling balls and strikes. And then maybe in years, like years down the line, it changes and there's more umpires that are like robots. But I think it's only going to end up being the, the robot umps to start. And then you just go from there. Will there uh, be that's an just action? A guess, not a report, but. Okay. But so the, will there be an umpire behind home plate who's going to get a buzz 
from a robot somewhere that's telling him what to do? Or is it going to be an actual robot there? Or is there going to be a, 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 I mean, it will just appear on the, on the scoreboard. Do you have any idea? I, 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 I cannot say that I've asked, but can you imagine a robot being behind their car? Like, I mean, how cool gonna, is that? I mean, I'm assuming that would not be how this is going to go. We're not going to like, no. we're not going to have a, a, a portable robot that heads out to home plate when you know it's 705 each night around major league baseball but i'm trying to and and i would think there'd be a bigger you know protest going on from umpires because you're not going to take our jobs this is unionized and all that type of stuff so yeah. i'm sure they're on one level they're probably pissed but on the uh, on the other side it's like it's gonna be the easiest gig ever somebody's gonna tell me what it is there i have no discretion and uh i'm still getting paid yeah. No, I'll, I'll bet you there's going to be some frustration for the umpires because, like, like that's the like the key part of the gig. You don't want to be a third base umpire the entire lifetime. Maybe I mean maybe you do. I, I won't knock you for that. But my ultimate guess is we end up seeing like something involving like the scoreboard or something, like there being sensors or something. And I I, I don't know, but um, I know Major League Baseball is going to try out a lot of different stuff out. But like, as I said, my guess is we end up seeing something like. Uh, on the scoreboard i I don't even i boy i don't even have a good guess but i like from a selfish standpoint seeing a a robot ump literally behind the plate would be so sick but i just don't think that's gonna happen well i'm gonna go to a triple a game this year and see what it looks like so um i might as well go out east see my buddy dave rogers and and kick down with the charlotte knights and see what the white Sox have going on at triple a so it's happening uh, i'll report back on on the baseball insiders uh what what this what this all looks like which um yeah okay let's uh bert i want to talk tampa before we get out of here this is i think this is a really cool thing that Stuart Sternberg, who runs the Rays, was trying to get done here. Uh, and I don't know if how much how many people were following this, but he, he basically wanted the Rays to play the start of the season in Tampa when it's warm in Florida. And then in the, in the, in the summer months, he was going to play games in Montreal, where so many people think the, the Expos and Montreal fans got screwed and there should be a team there, although they never drew huge. But they did have – I mean, it, they had a good fan base. I'm not – it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't elite either. But it was it was fine. So yeah. he was – you know, he, they don't draw in Tampa. His payroll's never been above $80 million. Somehow they're still competitive. Let's have a dual system, bring both in. And they were super excited about this. And Major League Baseball originally told the Rays that this would work. But then when it ultimately got to a committee and the sister city concept, no. Uh, and now the Rays are back at square one. What, what, what can you, what can you, how can you enlighten on us about what happened here? Yeah. Like, so this was something that the Rays have been exploring for quite a while. And it was a plan that they intended to go forward with. Um, but it was ultimately like the kibosh was thrown on it. Um, and like, so of all the layers of this that I want to talk about the most is after like this was official that this was determined that it was not going to happen. Sternberg ended up saying that something like this, where you have teams playing in two different cities is going to be the wave of the future. Um, and that to me is a big old line of BS. Um, I don't think that's, the case at all. I think that's a very bad idea. 
Um, and the Rays only had, like they had to do it because they weren't making enough money or they were probably losing money. I'm not privy to what their financial records are. Um, and they're going to continue to evaluate their options going forward. And Sternberg ended up saying that a big part of what their future plans are going to be is going to be determined by the attendance. And if they have not been able to draw fans the last few years, um, even with a very good baseball team, like it's the most progressive team in baseball. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Um, if they're not able to bring fans in, then I'm not optimistic. It's going to change. And, and maybe like, I could be wrong about this multi-city plan being a bad thing, but I'm also pretty comfortable saying like this idea absolutely stinks, but that, okay. So one more thing, baseball to me should be in Montreal. I think Montreal is a cool place. I know Nashville is another, another city that like some different people have explored it. Um, but Montreal is some, is a place that should be very high on the list of future cities to hold baseball. And it needs to be back because the Montreal Expos car. Sure. Listen, I, I, that's my era, pal. I grew up with Tim Raines and Andre Dawson and Tim Wallach and, Pedro Martinez started his career with the Expos. Listen, I'm uh, Cubs never won a game at Olympic Stadium. Seemingly, I mean, the place was, uh, you know, they they had it going for for a little bit there. Uh, I mean, if if I'm the Rays, all right, you don't want to do the split thing. We're moving to Montreal. Hey, Montreal, uh, make a real offer and give me a, a retractable roof stadium, and it'll be sweet. Because it ain't happening here, but there's apparently they're looking around Tampa for, and there's a bunch of venues that they've considered. I think I, I actually the wave of the future comment, like, I mean, obviously major teams, you know, the, the Yankees aren't going to be, you know, duels, dual, whatever, dual location. That's not happening. But I, I do yeah. think like for, I, I think he's the way I heard that is like the dude's talking about climate change. Like what's it going to be like in Florida and Texas in 20 years, maybe we're going to have to have some, like that's how I was hearing where he's like envisions the world going, which is kind of hard to wrap your head around. But I, I, I just kind of read it like, well, this guy's smarter than me. He can see the future. What's actually going to become here. So yeah. it, it does seem pretty out there, but, um, in this particular model, like I thought it made sense what they were trying to do. Yeah. And when you put it like that, like the, I, I think that part of it, you can see what he's thinking there. Um, and I, I've talked to people who are very friendly with Sternberg and like, they say he's a very smart and intelligent and thoughtful person. Um, so like if he's got, re- or if he's got a thought, you have to think he's got reasons behind it. Um, and that being said, he also said that he is not, he does not have any plans to sell the team. I know he's had people hit him up in recent years. I don't know if that's been reported or not, um, but hint, hint, um, he's, but he's got no plans on doing uh, or selling the team. He's got no plans on relocating the team. And he said that he has been advised by others to pursue relocation in an effort to add urgency to stadium pursuit. Um, and that not doing so may have been to his detriment, which I mean, maybe, yeah, I, they're going to be a very open-minded team, but like, yeah, it's just, they're going to be very creative with how they go about this for sure. I mean, to bring that slightly full circle, the White Sox threatened to go to St. Petersburg back in the day. And that's how they got what was then new Comiskey park, which turned into the cell, which is now guaranteed rate field. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's, 
that that's how the the giant. I mean, it's it's all over the place. The Giants did that football. I mean, look at the Raiders and 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 uh, so so it's it's yeah. like play one on the playbook. But he was trying to be loyal to the people of Tampa. Um, apparently, uh, Hunter's telling me the Giants' offense moved to Tampa as well. So I don't know. Uh, brand new stadium in Tampa. On some level, I'd be like, have you earned it? Y'all have had a phenomenal team forever, and you and you can't. And I I understand that getting there, you got to go over one bridge. I don't know if you ever been to the trope, but it's uh, apparently a pain in the ass and hard to get out of, and all that type of stuff. But I don't know. I've heard that. I've never been there. But okay. So actually, what are, what are your thoughts on it, Carm? Because like in terms of like a cool stadium, because like I haven't been there, but I've heard people say it's like a top fiver. The trope looks like yeah. I, it looks brutal to me. Uh, see, I, I'm not. I'm not a dome. I'm not a dome guy. I, I, I even if it's super hot, I'd rather. Then I don't know. It's just not. It, it's so out of my comfort zone. The only dome I've, well, I've. Let's. I mean, I love a retractable roof. Miller Park is awesome, or whatever the hell they call it now. Um, Amfam Field does not Am, flow off the tongue. No, no, no. Um, and you know, I saw the Astros play it. I think at that point it was Minute Maid, and that was when they were losing a hundred games a year and it was, the roof was closed and it was September. It could have been open and it felt like an absolute Morgan there. Uh, and that's when I called the Astros post game show. And anyway, we don't need to get into that story. Uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, let, but speaking of let's, let's wrap up with an Astro Carlos Correa switching agents. He's uh, he's dialing up the big hitter. Come here, Scott Boris, get me paid more money than you got. Corey Seager. He's he left the William Morris endeavor and that group purchased nine minor league teams in December. So there was perhaps some uh, conflict of interest with uh, agent regulations that prohibit ownership of minor league teams. The athletic was the first one to report that. Um, so Scott just hooks in another one. People are like, I, I want to get paid. I go to you. I guess congratulations to Boris and you can't fault Correa. Is that how we're reading this? Yeah, exactly. And so to stick with William Morris Endeavor, they are there's a there's a chance they're decertified by the Major League Baseball Players Association for owning those minor league teams, and that would leave them scrambling. I mean they they would they, they would be screwed at that point. And they recently just hired Jim Murray and Michael Stavall from XL Sports, and they're both regarded as very very good agents and Casey close. Who's arguably the second best agent in baseball or second biggest agent in baseball. I, he, he was their right-hand man. Um, and they would be left without a job. I would imagine they'd end up finding somewhere else to go. Um, but like, as soon as that story came out, I got probably five or 10 texts saying it's only a matter of time before Carlos Correa leaves. And all of a sudden, a couple nights ago, I got a text or I got a phone call just out of the blue from somebody who does not typically call. And he's like, Correa went to Boris. And I'm like, no. And, I, and his logic, I mean, you can see exactly why he did it. He's been friendly with Boris for about 10 years. Boris has recruited the heck out of him um, for that entire span. He was at Legacy with Greg Gensky. He was at William Morris. And then he ended up becoming a free agent. Saw Corey Seager sign for 325. Saw Marcus Simeon sign for 175. Um, and Boris is known for getting his players very good deals. Obviously, there's been some not good ones in the past, 
But for the most part, like if he's got a premium free agent, he gets them paid. Um, and he was reportedly seeking at least per John Heyman, 330 to 350 million. And that could be tough for Correa um, just because like the market is kind of limited now. Um, but he is going to get a very large amount of money. And I would imagine he'll end up getting a little bit more than Seager. But for him, to, for Boris to land, um, Carlos Correa, Brandon Nimmo, Dylan Cease, Jonathan India. Um, and he, like, there's been rumblings behind the scenes. He's added at least five new players in recent weeks uh, for, like, top prospects, I should say. Like, for him to do that, he may have added a billion dollars in the last two weeks. Like, Boris, like, this is, like, very inside baseball and probably only things that I find interesting. But, like, the job, like, he is the king. Um, and I I tip my cap. And I think Carlos Correa, if he wants to get paid, made a very smart decision here. What does he do so well? Like, can you can you break down the Boris success? Why is this so hard to duplicate? I mean, I'm that's he's not the only agent out there making a ton of dough, but he's definitely at the top of the food chain. Yeah, he's he's very prepared. Like you hear stories about from executives saying that Boris will just hand you a pamphlet of of why like his client deserves so and so. Very persistent. Like he's always trying to wheel and deal. Um, and trying to negotiate out for his players. And he does not accept below market deal. Like that's just something that he does not do. So um, teams don't even bother to lowball him because they'll just get laughed at by Boris. Um, and also like, I mean, he's got the reputation. Like you see, I mean, he, there was obviously that one winter, he ended up having Bryce Harper, um, Steven Strasburg, and just like, there was a couple other players just signed boom, 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 boom. And other players see that, they see what he's done in the past. They see who he's also represented. And it just adds to that client roster. And basically everybody in baseball wants to be represented by Scott Boris. Like ultimately that's not going to happen. Cause there's other, some, there's some very good agencies out there uh, like Wasserman or CAA sports. There's um, Excel. Um, but Boris is like, he's just continued to build that reputation. Like he's, he's the most powerful agent in sports here by far. I want to underline the, the dude's not perfect, by the way. He cost Chris Bryant some money. I know that for a fact. Um, yep. So he's, you know, he, he's not immune to making mistakes, but he obviously has had way more wins than on the downside. So I think it's going to be hard to mess up the Carlos Correa situation here too. Cause if Seager's getting 325, you think a little bit more, I'd say, uh, yeah. I don't know, 50 million more, but Whatever we'll 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 see where we come out of this whenever we have an agreement. Their meeting coming up on Monday here, Bird. You excited about it? Oh gosh, I'm on the edge of my seat, Carm. But no deal's gonna happen there. Um, but moving uh, forward, yeah. a little inch, a little incher, maybe an inch. But like, we're not gonna have baseball start on time. Like, I'm not saying that definitively, but like, it's starting to really feel that way. Um, and that's a pretty sad deal because if the, if we start losing games that is going to put a huge egg on the face of major league baseball. Like to me entering this, they could not let it happen. And as each day passes, the likelihood of that like missing games goes up and that's just not good. Carm. It, it, is, it is interesting that it's hitting me on the back end right now that as we got ready for this podcast, you didn't even want to talk about the fact that they're meeting. It's like, it's a big deal that they're finally having a meeting, but you don't even look at it like a big deal, bird. You think this is kind of, well, we haven't met for a long time, so we got to get together. 
And here are my parameters that you're going to reject. And I'll do the same for yours. And we'll do this again in a month. Is that how basically you're looking at this? You're shaking your head. Maybe not like a month, but like pretty close to that. Cause like the players are going to come back to the owners with what they want. Um, and this is exactly how it's going to happen. It's, it's going to, they're going to have this meeting and then a couple hours later, a report's going to leak that the owners were not happy or they were not, they, they just didn't think what the players offered was realistic and that the sides are really far apart and that the, the threat of losing or threat of missing games goes up. Like that's to me is exactly how this is going to play out. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm glad they're finally meeting. It's a good thing, obviously, but we're just not even close to a deal yet, Carm. All right, Bert. We're going to end the show on a, on, a, on a bad note. Good to see yeah, you, buddy. Bad juju. Yeah. Oh, bad juju, but good juju. Uh, all right. I'm applying, I'm applying to be a robot umpire facilitator for a AAA. And don't worry, I'm not leaving fan side out of this podcast, damn it. I think I can <laughs> hopefully get cool. both those gigs done. If so. you end up getting the gig, Carm, let me leak it so I can say Mara Carmen's joining the Chihuahuas, uh, sources say, say. I will allow you to break that one, Bert. That would be uh, – Wow, what a guy. I am big. That's, that, that's the relationship we have, buddy. Hey, uh, right. hit, people. hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube so you know when videos are coming out and uh, throw us that, that support. We appreciate you. Um, and, yes, reviews are welcomed, appreciated as well. Uh, the baseball insiders rolling on in a lockout. Damn it. Uh, Robert, good to be with you. Good to be with you too, Carm. Let's, let's make it a great day. Let's make it a great day. We'll see you all next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.